Welcome to a beautiful October day. I'm Lou Gerlach and this is Think Chat and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. This is confession number 67 and we're going to be focusing on the importance of learning space design. This is part of a new series on the importance of the learning environment and play to support inquiry. This has been a labor of love over the past few months as I've experienced my own aha moments about the importance of learning space design. It sounds pretty intuitive, yet it's one of the hardest things for educators to give up because it requires release of control. When I think of learning space design, I'll be honest, I relate it to my own bedroom. About a year ago, I had the grand idea of putting anything in the house that didn't have a space and put it in my bedroom because I'm going to just sleep here anyway, right? And over time, what it ended up happening is so many different things started to come into this space. At first, it didn't bother me until it continued to grow like the blob. And for any of those who haven't seen this classic B movie, it's about this blob that comes from outer space and starts to consume everything and everyone, right, in its path. At first, it was very small and containable, but soon it got out of control. And the blob took over my living space, and I had to take back the control. So about a month ago, I pulled up my shirt sleeves, and I decided to resign, redesign, not resign, the, the layout completely. As a result, now I have this beautiful library space that has educator resources and children's books and poetry and so much more that I can utilize with um, my professional development as well as to read to my young niece. So when I'm thinking about this, it's now looking a little bit more cohesive. I have um, different pieces of furniture that were hodgepodge. Now they have a distinct place. And also everything fits within my, my, my space. I have, it's not junky. Things aren't out in the open as they were before. Why does this matter? Because now when I come into my bedroom, I have designated spots to create, to work with others. I have my ironing board that's my ready-made um, desk so that I can podcast, so that I can um, video conference different workshops. But then once it's done, I can just fold it up and then it's back to being my space, my sanctuary, and I can breathe again. How is the blob connected to your classroom design? Just like my bedroom, our control of the learning space is like the blob. Are you the type of teacher that needs to take control of everything within a classroom? Because if you are, it's suffocating the life out of your learners and stopping their agentic thinking from happening. Think about that one. And so what we're going to be doing in this episode is taking a look at how does our classroom design 
speak to the amount of agency in our classrooms. So how can we take control before the blob takes over? Well, it's intuitive to me that we're gonna have to give agency to our learners on how the room is designed. Even if we're halfway through the school year, you can make some minor changes that will have a huge impact of student ownership. So we're gonna discuss some things that seem natural, but for others, it might be really insurmountable. And so how do we um, take control and ownership back? Not for us, but for our learners. So the first way is looking at layout. How is your classroom currently laid out? You know, due to the pandemic, I understand. It might look differently than you normally would have it, right? And it largely determines um, or is determined by, do you need to physically distance? You know, are children grouped together? Um, depending on where you are in the world, some people are back to normal, no masks. Everyone's pushed together. Everyone's collaborating while others are still heavily masked, separated. That impacts a lot. But regardless of our working conditions, have you considered asking your learners, even with these issues, have you asked them, what do they think is the best way the classroom should be laid out and look like so that they can learn best? That's a big question because now we're turning it over to the learners, right? And what you may feel is appropriate may actually stop or slow down their progression and their learning. That was a huge aha for me about what am I doing, right? And so then this goes into design. So we talked about physical layout of, of you know, desks and materials and the space, but now we're talking about design aesthetic. When you walk into your classroom, what does it say? Or if someone walks into your classroom, what does your classroom say? That's a huge aha for me. What does it say? Is it a designed um, so that it reflects cute ideas off of Pinterest or teacher paid teachers? You know, many educators have joined the movement of adding, you know, decor from craft stores like Hobby Lobby or other, you know, home decor shops to make it homey. And I understand it. We're living in school for the whole day. But who is it homey for? Is it for the teacher or is it for the learners? And I recognize that, you know, this is our home um, for majority of the day. But what do the learners have? Do they have a say in how it's designed? Does it reflect their thinking, their interests, their personalities? That's huge. And this took me quite a long time, even, I'll be honest, until I became a role of the coordinator and I started to see it from a different lens. I'd walk into classrooms and see no personality of students and others oozing in it. And the main difference is agency, involving the learners in that process, which was a huge aha for me.
So another way of thinking about the importance of learning space design is language. Say what? Language? What does language have to do with the physicality of a classroom? Really though, it comes down to what type of language are we using when designing the learning space? Is it my classroom or our classroom? Because this is a huge difference. And if you think about it, whoever designs the classroom is the one who feels the ownership of the space. So if you're designing with the kids, then they can say, oh, this is our classroom. But oftentimes teachers will say, uh-uh, this isn't happening in my classroom. It's because the teacher controlled everything. That makes sense, right? So we're striving for a learner in like for me, I feel like we're striving for a learner connection and learner independence. So how are we going to do that if they don't even feel comfortable and accepted in the learning space that they're in? So if our learners are guests in the process, right, then they're never going to truly feel at home in our classroom. And that kind of saddens me if a child feels like they're a guest in their classroom. Think about that. And are we promoting that guest relationship rather than you're at home here, especially children of trauma? I've worked heavily with these kids and they don't feel like they fit anywhere. And so if they feel like a guest in your classroom and they also feel like a guest at home. Where do they have where they just can breathe? I don't know. That, that weighs heavily on my heart. So another thing to think about when we're designing our learning space design is, is um, interaction. And what do I mean by that? Interaction is how are learners engaging with the learning space? Are the materials curated so the learners can self-direct? their learning by using a wide variety of materials. So basically, are the materials designed that students can access them? Or are they hidden behind a curtain only for you to touch them when you want to use them? And I think that was a huge aha for me as an educator. I had a lot of resources that I had on shelves that were never used. Until so students said, hey, What's this? Can we use this to learn this? And I was like, oh my gosh, that is a travesty. And so how are we getting learners to be able to have access to all the materials? And, our, and going back to, if you haven't ever listened to my earlier podcast, Reggio Emilia, the reason I'm addicted to that approach is because all the materials are at eye level for students and they're all organized and labeled. So learners know exactly where to go for what materials. That's hugely important because no longer are they dependent on you to interact with the classroom space. They can manage on their own and that's what we really want. And so another consideration is to think about, are your materials too high? you know, out of reach, because that sends a message that these materials way up here are not for you, right? And once again, that goes into that feeling of I'm included or I'm not. Well, and the reality is this, 
there are going to be times where we have a wall full of cupboards that are closed and that are, you know, high. And so what do we do with that? The one thing that I've done is actually label and put pictures of what's inside the cupboards so that children say, oh, these are the materials in here. Okay, now I'm inspired to engage with them. So that makes sense. So that's another way to bring about more of an interaction. And the final thing is assessment. You heard me, assessment in learning space design. The room design should reflect the evidence of learning and growth. So how do your bulletin boards, your display walls, your, you know, some people use data walls, some people use reflection walls, uh, wonder walls, unit walls, all of that. How does it reflect learner growth over time? Can learners walk the pathway of their thinking without your assistance? That right there is a big tell. If not, they don't understand the bigger concepts and connections within the unit. And this denotes that you're controlling too much of the learning and teaching. I hate to bring that up to your attention, but that is the truth. The learning space design is more than flexible seating and different stations around the room. It's about learners deciding how they learn best and how they can showcase this to the greater community and more importantly, to themselves. It takes vulnerability and release of control on our part as educators to make this happen. And that's scary too, I understand it, because that means we have to change and we have to evolve. But the upside is that the learning environment then becomes a shared creation space where deeper connections are made for all. So what are you going to change right now so that this can happen tomorrow? As always, I love you to bits and I know you're doing the best you can. And I just wish you a happy day. And I hope some of the strategies have helped and lifted your spirit today.